On today's show, the Yankees beat the Red Sox on Tuesday night, but it took 10 innings and possibly a year or two off my life. We'll recap the game and target specific performances. Garrett Cole. We'll also check in on how the Somerset Patriots are doing because four Yankees are rehabbing injuries there and Jason Dominguez was promoted yesterday. We'll also look at how the rest of the season looks for the Rays, the Jays, and the Orioles and how their schedules affect the Yankees. So get ready because a new Locked on Yankees starts now. You are Locked on Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Wednesday, Yankee fans. Welcome to Lockdown Yankees, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Stacey Gonsoulias. We'd like to thank you for making Lockdown Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Also hit the thumbs up button to like our videos and the bell so you're notified as soon as our videos go live. So let's discuss the game last night because it was a game. It was a game. And if, if the games are going to be like this in September, I'm not going to be able to survive October because in the 10th inning, in the bottom of the 10th inning when the Yankees made things interesting and we'll go more in depth later, my heart rate because I have it on my Apple Watch, was 123. And no, I wasn't pacing back and forth in my den while watching the game. I was sitting in a recliner, and my heart rate was 123. So thank you, Clay Holmes and Wandy Peralta, for that. And it took, I would say, at least 45 minutes for my heart rate to completely calm down and go more down, more down go down to my resting heart rate which is more around 67 70 so yeah thank you for that so let's discuss it Garrett Cole why can't Garrett Cole pitch in Fenway I don't understand this at all now it could have been a lot worse it could have been a lot worse it wasn't but he had another one of those strange Garrett Cole pitching lines. He lasted six innings. He gave up four runs on four hits. He walked two, but he struck out 10. So I just, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. Someone has to explain this to me, but I don't think anyone else can understand this either. It's just so odd that he has games like this all the time. So he obviously didn't factor into the decision because the Yankees won in extras, but what is going on with him? So he's sitting at 228 strikeouts season. Severino had 230 in 2017. Sabathia had 230 in 2011. Cole is currently 20 behind Guidry's 1978 Yankees record of 248. Now of the four hits that Cole gave up, Three were home runs, and none, none were by Devers. Didn't I joke 
in the preview. Don't give up any home runs to Devers because you've given up six to him and we're just sick of it. I didn't mean for you to give up home runs to two, no offense to them, no-name guys and Xander Bogarts. Cole, what are you doing? (laughs) So the funny thing about it was all three of the Red Sox home runs put the Red Sox ahead. 2-0, 3-2, Tristan Casas' home run was a first-pitch four-seam fastball at 97.6 miles an hour, and he was three for 22 coming into that at-bat against Cole. Reese McGuire hit a first-pitch four-seam fastball, 96 miles an hour, and it was his first home run of the season. And then Xander Bogarts hits a first-pitch four-seam fastball, also 96 miles an hour, and it barely cleared the pesky pole. Maybe don't throw the four-seam fastball first pitch if you're not going to get it at 98 to 100. I don't know. Like, what? Very strange. And then the Yankees had three home runs of their own, and every single one of them was a game-tying home run. When the Red Sox went up 2-0, Marwin Gonzalez tied it 2-2. When the Red Sox went up 3-2, Aaron Judge hit his 56th home run of the season to make it 3-3. When the Red Sox went up 4-3, Aaron Judge hit his 57th home run of the season to make it 4-3. It's just kind of funny how that worked out. That the teams combined for six, six home runs. Red Sox were all leading home runs, giving them the lead. That's what it is. And the Yankees tying. That's just crazy. Judge's first home run opposite field to the bullpen, second one over the monster. And the one that went over the monster was off Garrett Whitlock, and it was an 87-mile-an-hour slider that he creamed. (laughs) He's unbelievable. He also had a single. He was three for four. So the Yankees tie the game of four, goes to extra innings. IKF is at second. Aaron Hicks pinch hits for Jose Trevino. I will tell you right now, I was not happy about this move from Boone. Not at all. And I will give Hicks credit. He worked an eight-pitch at bat, and he worked a walk. It is not easy coming in cold to pinch hit, and Hicks has been struggling so much this season, and his kryptonite was at second, a runner in scoring position, and he still worked a walk. Now, the bad thing was Marwin Gonzalez comes up, and he hits into a double play. Now, there were positives about this, and I'll explain why. Gonzalez saw six pitches. Familia was really throwing his sinker a lot. And the fact that Hicks saw eight pitches, Gonzalez saw six pitches, that helped Stanton and Torres in their bats. So IKF advances to third. They walk judge, intentionally walk judge. And then they non-intentionally walk Stanton. (laughs) Stanton saw five pitches. Four of them were sinkers. All four sinkers were balls. So good for Stanton for not swinging at what Familia was offering him. And then Gleyber Torres said after the game that watching Stanton's at bat against Familia helped him in his at bat. So 
while the results weren't there for Gonzalez, he helped Stanton. And then Stanton walks, Florial pinch hits, pinch hits, pinch runs, and that's important because something pretty funny happened on the next play, but we'll talk about that in a moment. We will also update you on how the rehabbing Yankees and Jason Dominguez are doing in Somerset. But first, summer's winding down, the nights are getting longer, but the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff. That's right, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. That's especially true in the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. They say there's nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. So if you can benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code Locked On at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code Locked On to receive your first month free. Visit Blue Chew for more details and important safety information, and we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks once again for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. Subscribe now to Locked On Yankees on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you get notified when each episode premieres. So we left off with Glaber Torres in the 10th inning, facing Jurius Familia, and this is how it went. Torres looked at a sinker for ball one because that's what was happening in that inning, most of his sinkers were balls and the Yankees were not biting because I even tweeted before Glaber went up to bat in all caps, don't swing. And he didn't swing at the second pitch either, which Familia got a four seam fastball for strike one. And it was, it was a strike. Then Familia went back to the sinker, but it did not sink low enough. Torres reached down a bit to get it and he hit a bases-clearing, bases-loaded double. Now, the thing about this double is I had flashbacks to Gary Sanchez's double against the Astros in the 2017 ALCS. It was nearly the exact hit. My friend Jeff referred to it as a piss rope. I guess. Now, I mentioned Estevan Florial pinch running for Stanton, which was a good thing because he's faster than Stanton and can score. But he tumbled as he was running through first base, uh, first base, third base, was able to get up really quickly, and he was able to score that third run, put the Yankees up 7-4. It was very hilarious, but he's very young, very quick, and he was able to get right back up and score without his helmet, but it looked like, someone said it looked like he got taken out by a sniper, because it really did. It looked like he was knocked out. It was very amusing. And so the Yankees go up 7-4, but Clay Holmes made it sweaty. 
And so did Wandy Peralta. So Holmes gets taken out for Peralta. Peralta gets a fly out. There's two outs. But then, with a runner on third, he throws a ball past Higashioka while Rafael Devers is at the plate. And it's scary because Rafael Devers was at the plate as the tying run. And you're thinking, oh no, the winning run. And you're thinking, oh God, here we go. So that made it 7-6 when Peralta threw the ball into the ground. But thankfully, Peralta got Devers swinging on an 89-mile-an-hour slider with the tying run on second, and the Yankees prevailed. Now, can they not do this to me? I have an Apple Watch, and I purposely looked at my heart rate during that 10th inning, the bottom. It was 123, and I wasn't pacing back and forth in my den. I was sitting still in a recliner. Well, yeah, no, I was sitting still in a recliner. 123. It took 45 minutes for my heart rate to go down to my resting heart rate, which is normally 67 to 70. Can these guys stop doing this? I'm getting too old for this. Like, really, it's, it's too much. And it's, it was September 13th yesterday. What is it going to be like for me in the playoffs? It's going to be crazy. <laughs> my God. So it's time to check in on the Somerset Patriots for a few reasons. One being Harrison Bader. He went 0 for 3 last night. He had three putouts in center field. Jason Dominguez was called up yesterday to double-A Somerset. He went 0 for 5 in his debut. And Tyler Hardman was also called up yesterday. I probably should have mentioned him during the Blue Chew ad, huh? He also went 0 for 5. Fine. Don't get worried about that. I don't want you to think, oh, he shouldn't have been about Dominguez. He shouldn't have been promoted to double-A. It's too soon. It takes a while to get your footing when you go up a level, although that doesn't seem to be the case for Anthony Volpe. But Anthony Volpe is, he's the guy the Yankees were holding on to and not making moves because they want him up in the majors. So there are some exceptions, but just don't count Dominguez out just because he went 0 for 5 in his debut, okay? Aroldis Chapman pitched an inning, gave up a hit, walked one, struck out two batters. Zach Britton and Miguel Castro didn't appear in the game last night, but don't be alarmed about that because Somerset announced this morning that Castro is scheduled to pitch in today's game. Now, the game ended up being a loss by the Patriots in 11 innings, and I thought this was slightly amusing just because I like numbers and coincidences. Is it really a coincidence? I don't know. So the 10th, the 10th, the 10-inning game between the Yankees and Red Sox last night lasted three hours, 36 minutes. The 11-inning game between their double-A squads lasted 334. Typical. Now, speaking of Dominguez, Lindsey Crosby of Locked On MLB Prospects recorded an episode and posted it today where he admits he was wrong about Jason Dominguez. So if you want to listen to that, feel free. He tweeted it at the Locked On Yankees account, and I saw it this morning. I retweeted it into the Locked On Yankees account. So go there. You'll see the link for everything. Um, but I just find it funny that he made it a point <laughs> to let me know, by the way, by the way, I think I was wrong about Jason Dominguez. And as I just said, yeah, don't put any stock in the 0 for 5. He'll be fine. He's still only 19. He's, he'll be fine. It'll be, it'll be great for him. And, um, oh, quickly, Scranton, because they beat 
Wooster, Massachusetts, Red Sox, they are now, and Gwinnett lost, they're now a half game behind the Bulls in the International Eastern League. So, looks like our minor league affiliates could be doing some good things. So let's cross our fingers that that happens. And Ben Rortvet and Ronald Guzman played a part in the win. Now, I don't know if you guys realize this, but Rortvet was actually with the Yankees, but didn't end up playing. And then they put him down in Scranton again. He's the one who was part of the Donaldson IKF trade that hasn't done anything because he was injured. What's with the Yankees trading for injured players? I forgot that they did that twice. Um, and Harrison Bader, as far as I know, his foot is fine. Just a little bit of discomfort, like I mentioned yesterday. Um, but I don't think he was taken out of the game for injury reasons because I didn't see anything when I looked it up. So in a moment, we're going to discuss the remaining schedules for the Rays, the Jays, and the Orioles, if you can believe it, to see how they can help the Yankees down the stretch. So we're looking at how things are shaping up schedule-wise for the Yankees' division rivals, the Rays, the Jays, and the Orioles. I know, it's so odd to, to talk about the Orioles being one of the teams involved in this and that the Red Sox aren't because they're in last place. It's just a very strange year, and I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> so the Rays are now a half game behind Toronto in the standings, and they look to be... In the most trouble down the stretch, with six more games remaining against the Blue Jays, including tonight and tomorrow afternoon. But they also have six games against the Astros because they hadn't played them all season. Now, the one thing that may work in their favor is the Astros' magic number is 10. And with the AL West being as bad as it is, they could clinch everything by the time they meet the Rays because that's not happening for a little while. And maybe they'll rest people, but the Astros are still five ahead of the Yankees for the best record in the American League, and it doesn't look like the Yankees are going to catch up to them, but they could play full strength all the way through to make sure that they stay ahead of the Yankees. So the Rays could be in trouble with their remaining schedule because they're on a bit of a slide right now, while the Blue Jays are on an upswing. And speaking of those Blue Jays, before they welcome the Yankees to Toronto for three games, September 26th through the 28th, they're down in Tampa for those four remaining games against the Rays from the 22nd to the 25th. So that series could have very big consequences for both of those teams. It's kind of funny because the Jays end their season facing all of their AL East opponents. They have series against the Rays, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Orioles in that order in their last series against Baltimore is in Baltimore, October 3rd through the 5th. Baltimore is currently five games out of a wild card spot. They're staring up at the Jays and the Rays and the Mariners. Now, it's not totally out of the question yet, but the window of opportunity for them to get one of those wild card spots is closing fast. And guess who the Orioles are facing this weekend? Toronto. After that, it's Detroit, and then they have four games against Houston, so things aren't looking too good for them either. But I do like that the O's and the J's and the Rays and the J's will be playing each other a few more times because every one of their losses, you know, each of those teams, helps the Yankees get closer to a division title. By the way, Yankees' magic number to win the division is 15, and the magic number to make the playoffs is now 10. So... 
They're getting there. Don't worry about it. They're not going to not make the playoffs, okay? It would be impossible, honestly. It's not going to happen. So quickly, tonight's game, Nestor Cortez against Brian Bello. Cortez is 9-4 with a 2.73 ERA, 135 strikeouts. Bello is 1-5 with a 5.79 ERA in 36 strikeouts. And that is only in 37 and one-third innings. The Red Sox lineup is out. Thanks, Alex Cora. Tommy Pham, Alex Verdugo, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, Rob Refsnyder, Christian Arroyo, Kike Hernandez, and Connor Wong. Yankees lineup is not there. Um, Yankees have never faced Bellow, so no numbers for that. And against Cortez, Rafael Devers has two home runs. Kevin Plawecki has one, but he's not in the lineup. And Trevor Story, also not in the lineup, has one home run. The rest of the guys... Don't really do that well against Cortez. So, um, yeah, that's for tonight. Oh, and it's not, it's just on Yes. It's not like an Amazon game. It's not TBS or MLB TV. So, Nesson for people in Boston. Yes for people in New York. We have time. Let's, let's get some quotes from last night. Because, you know, I will write a rundown for everything that I do on the show. And I, I think I spoke too quickly because <laughs> I got everything out of the way and we have plenty of time left. So let's get some quotes from last night. This is Glaber Torres. A double like that in a game like that and the two home runs on Sunday against the Rays, he's starting to come back. I joked that maybe it's because he's getting used to having a child and the child is getting a little older and maybe he sleeps better through the night and maybe that's helping Torres. He said, I think I'm more confident. In August, I worried too much about myself if I struck out or didn't do anything for the team. It seems like there were too many things mentally. Now I come to the field with 100% confidence and just try to feel good. Fake it till you make it, baby. Everyone should do that in life because at one point you will make it. Aaron Boone said about Glaber, when he's at his best, he's a guy that lengthens our order and gives us power. When he's at his best, he's a tough out against really good pitching too. He's done it in his playoff career so far, just being a tough out and a good ball. What? He's done it in his playoff career so far, just being a tough out and good bat to ball using the whole field. Hopefully this gets him rolling a little bit for the stretch drive. Your lips to the big guy's ears. And let's get some quotes from Aaron Judge, who hit his 56th and 57th home run. And not only that, uh, the Triple Crown could be within reach. He's hitting 310. He's behind Luis Arise from the Twins, who's at 319. So yeah, that's kind of a, a hill to climb there. But the fact that he's even in the conversation for that possibility is amazing. And Aaron Boone even said about Aaron Judge, I'm out of adjectives because people asked, you know, what's it like to watch him or what's it like to watch him perform? He said, it's just really impressive. And Garrett Cole said, one of the most historic offensive seasons of all time. And Miguel Cabrera won the last Triple Crown 10 years ago. He hit 330 with 44 home runs and 139 runs batted in. 
And before that, no one had achieved that particular feat since Carl Yastrzemski, I can say that, I know how to say his name, Yastrzemski of the 1967 Red Sox, and no Yankee has done it since Mickey Mantle in 1956. If you have a chance, look at Mickey Mantle's 1956 numbers. I actually wrote a piece about it because it's unbelievable. Judge said, some great guys have done it. It's pretty special, but I think I'm a long ways away from that. Torres says of Judge, he's going to free agency and that is really good motivation for him. To me, it's not surprising. I know what kind of guy he is. He knows what he's doing. He basically hits everything. It's really fun or no, it's really special and fun to watch. I agree. It really is fun to watch. The ball that he hit off Pavetta, number 56, went 383. It landed in the bullpen and the exit velocity was 109.7. And the one that he hit over the green monster went 389. I don't know. It looked like it disappeared into the Boston sky. It looked further than that. Um, As I said earlier, that came off Garrett Whitlock. It was a slider that was only like 87. And the exit velocity was 100.5. As I said, he was the leadoff batter, but it ended up that he was the leadoff batter, both in the sixth and the eighth when he hit those home runs. So... You know, what are you going to do? That just happens. So Judge's 57 home runs are the most ever by a Yankee through 145 games, ahead of the paces set by Babe Ruth, who hit 56 in 1921, Maris, or was at 56 in 1921 at this point, and Maris, who was at 55 at this point in 1961. Judge has reached base safely in 14 straight games and multiple times in 12 of those contests. He's batting 479, which is 23 for 48 with eight home runs and 14 runs batted in. Don't you love Aaron Judge? I do. (laughs) You all should love Aaron Judge. And let's hope that this, you know, season isn't the last that we see of him in Yankees pinstripes. So tomorrow's show will be a recap of the Yankees game against the Red Sox. And it's an off day for the Yankees. And it's still kind of up in the air what else I can talk about. So I was thinking maybe... We do a live show on YouTube and you can ask questions. So if you're up for that, leave comments on YouTube. And if you're listening, tweet at Locked on Yankees if you can and ask questions that you want me to answer about the Yankees, about what I think about the Yankees, how I think the rest of the season is going to play out. Give me your thoughts about what's happening with the Yankees. And we'll make it a fun time. So let me know if you'd like that also in the YouTube comments. I think it could be fun and we'll set it up for tomorrow because again, it's an off day and we have plenty of time to get the episode up. So speaking of episodes, that's it for this one. We're Locked on Yankees. We're part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Remember, you can listen to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, and Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Again, like and comment on YouTube as well. Click the bell notification so you know when our videos go up. And now that you've made us your first listen, how about making your second listen the Locked On MLB podcast? MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. 
podcasts. One more thing, if you could be so kind, please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. We would really appreciate it. So enjoy your Wednesday and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Oh, 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 oh,